If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. It's the base text we've used uh, for the you know, last two weeks, and we're going to use it again today. So uh, we're talking about the faithful bride. Just what does the faithful bride of Christ look like? You know, some people, and you know, there will be those who disagree with me on this, but some people think that everybody who is saved is going to be in the bride of Christ. I bear to differ with them. I think what we do, our faithfulness here on this earth is going to determine if we're going to be in the bride. If you're saved, you will make it to heaven. All right, and we'll look a little bit later on with what Paul had to say to the church at Corinth. You know, there's many going to miss or make heaven the way we would say here in East Texas by the skin of our teeth. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I believe that only those who are faithful, those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they have been faithful to Jesus Christ while we're here on this earth, is going to have the honor and the privilege of being in the bride of Christ. They will be the ones who are able to enter that bridal chamber with Jesus Christ. Others who have been saved but not been faithful to Jesus Christ. They're going to make it to heaven, but they're not going to have the honor and the privilege, I do not believe, you know, to be in the bride of Christ. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13 says this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be unlikened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and took their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Verse 10, And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards also came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, Not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now we're in the middle of this study that we've entitled The Faithful Bride. And as we have pointed out, you know, I think it's important for us to understand the Jewish wedding during the time of Christ you know, uh, because the, what we know is the, 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 the bride of Christ, the, the marriage of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, it's going to parallel that of the Jewish wedding. Therefore, if we understand the Jewish wedding, we can kind of get a timeline on where we're at today with Jesus marrying his bride. And that's what this is all about. So to understand the steps of the ancient Jewish wedding, we're able to get a picture of where we're at today when it comes to Jesus coming back, returning to this earth, and taking his bride out of this earth. Now thus far we've looked at six steps of the marriage procedure. The first step that we looked at was the selection of the bride. 
Jesus, if you'll remember, said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Okay, so we can only come to Jesus Christ and be for Him to be our personal Savior when the Spirit of God calls and we respond, Jesus chooses us, we respond to become a child of His. The second thing that we looked at is the price of the bride. Back during that day, once a bride was chosen, then there was a price to be paid. Folks, let me tell you that Jesus Christ paid the price for his bride over 2,000 years ago with his precious blood that was shed upon Mount Calvary. He paid the price for you to become his bride. The third thing that we looked at was the betrothal period and the ketchup box. Now, some people separate these two. That's why some people say there's 12 steps to the Jewish wedding. Some say 15. I personally combine these two because during the betrothal period, what would happen is the, the, at that ceremony, there would be a ketchabah presented. Okay, now the ketchabah was simply a marriage contract that was presented to the uh, father of the bride. And that contract said, here is what the groom promises to your daughter. Here are the promises of the bridegroom to his bride. Folks, the ketchabah consisted of all the promises that the groom would make unto his bride. Can I tell you something? We too have a ketchabah from our bridegroom. Folks, the ketchabah that we have from Jesus Christ is the holy word of God that gives us all the promises that our bridegroom promises to those who love him. The fourth thing that we looked at was the first cup of the uh, of covenant shared. Now, you know, there's going to be a second cup. After Jesus had that first cup with his disciples, he said, I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in the place that I've gone away to prepare. So when Jesus met with the disciples, they're up in the upper room. It wasn't just by accident that he told them to serve bread and wine. Everything that Jesus was doing with his disciples, you know, that evening had a reason and it had a purpose. Listen, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, yes, it's to remember what he did for us on the cross. But it's also we need to remember that that was the first cup of the covenant when Jesus said, this is the covenant for my bride. So, yes, we need to remember his death, but we can also remember that that cup of covenant seals the ketchabah. Now, the fourth, fifth thing is the gifts to the bride. We pointed out last week that what the groom would do, he would give the bride a special gift so that while he was gone away to prepare the home for them, she would have this special gift. Usually it was a coin or something to that, and she could always look at that and say, he's coming back because he promised he'd come back. This is our engagement ring, so to speak, what we would use today. He is coming back because he has promised it. Folks, the, 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 the gift that Jesus Christ has given to us is his Holy Spirit because his Holy Spirit is with us. And when we begin questioning, is he really coming back? His Holy Spirit is there to remind us he made the promise. He will return to receive you unto his own. And then the, the sixth thing that we looked at last week was the uh, ritual of uh, mikvah. Now, mikvah, you know, it's a word that simply means pool of living water, which is used for, back those days, a ritual purification. Okay, now the immersion in water, you know, was a physical and spiritual preparation for the wedding ceremony. The mikvah, what it represented was a separation from the old life 
to the new life. Does that remind you of something we practice today that we call baptism? It's symbolic of, you know, being dying to the old man, being buried, uh, burying the old man, resurrecting to a new life. Back then, the mikvah was the same thing there. They would, they would go in this, you know, mikvah, this pool of living water, and it would sep- uh, it signify a separation from an old life to a new life. Folks, today, once we're saved, uh, mikvah is very important. Baptism, it's very important because it's that first act of obedience we take. And if we never take that first act of obedience, you know, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for us to always remain true to our Lord and Savior. Now let's look at the seventh thing in the process. And this is where we're at today, okay? The departure of the groom. You see, once the marriage covenant was sealed, the, uh, the, the bride and the bride had gone through mikvah. What would happen is the bridegroom left his bride to go to his father's house to prepare their wedding chamber. So he would go away. And again, what did he do? He left his bride to be this gift that would remind her that while he's gone, preparing the wedding chamber, that he would come back. And she could always look at that and know he's coming back. Folks, that's what the Holy Spirit resides within us for, to let us know he is coming back. But the bridegroom left. You know, and this is where we are in this time. Remember, at this time, they were legally married in all aspects except for the physical consummation of the marriage. Therefore, you know, the entire time he would be gone away to prepare her wedding chamber, you know, she had to remain faithful to him. Now, if he returned and found that she was not faithful to him, then he had a choice to do one of two things, either divorce her or put her away. Now, just for information's sake, we'll be talking about that tonight in our Bible study, you know, uh, the, the difference in divorce and putting away. Is it okay to remarry after divorce, okay? That's a question that many people ask, you know. Is remarriage biblical or is it not biblical? If you're interested in that, be back tonight at 6 o'clock. But he had the choice here to either divorce her or to put her away. Okay? Why? Because of her unfaithfulness. Now, again, understand, they were in the betrothal period for the whole year or so that he was gone. So if he come back and found her to be with child, he knew that she had been unfaithful. Remember the story of Joseph and Mary? You know, they was in the betrothal period when Joseph found out that she was with child. And it says there that he thought to privately put her away. Now, he had that choice to make. Why? Because during the betrothal period, she had been unfaithful. How did he know she had been unfaithful? Because she was pregnant. And the only way, hey, it wasn't him. He knew that. He'd been gone. Okay? So during the betrothal period, the the bride had to remain faithful to the groom. Folks, we're in the betrothal period. Our bridegroom has gone away to prepare a place for us. And when he comes back, he's coming back looking for a faithful bride. A bride who has been true to him. A bride who has been faithful to him. A bride who has been serving him. And the question we got to ask ourselves is, what kind of bride is he going to find in me if he was to come back tonight? Now, the next thing, he would be gone for, you know, up to 12 months, and in some cases, two years, preparing this house, this home, for he and his wife. Now, there would be no set time for how long the groom would be gone, you know, but when he came back, 
He would come back unannounced. He would snatch his bride. He would depart for their wedding chamber that he had been all this time preparing. So when he arrived in the darkness of night, she had better be ready even though his coming was unannounced. Now the third thing is our bridegroom has gone away prepare a way to prepare our wedding chamber, folks. Jesus Christ has gone away to prepare our wedding chamber. Uh, go ahead and turn to, first, uh, to John chapter 14. I want you to see this. This is where we are in the timeline. Jesus has already paid the price. He's done, we've done had our ketchabah. We've done, you know, he's done give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now he's gone away to prepare our wedding chamber. So again, this is where we are in the timeline. But John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3 says this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, Jesus then told his disciples, I go away to prepare a place for you. Now, some people say, well, he, he went back to heaven to prepare heaven. No, he had came from heaven. Heaven was already there. Where Jesus was going away to prepare was this wedding chamber for his bride, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. So he says, you know, I, 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 I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, here's his promise. I will come again to receive you unto my own, that where I am you will be also. Folks, Jesus was telling, just like the Jewish wedding, I'm going away, I'm going to prepare this wedding chamber, I'll be gone until I get through with it. When I get through with it, I'm coming and I'm taking you to that place that I have gone away to prepare. Praise God. Who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to his disciples. He was talking to the church. What was he informing them of? That he was going away to prepare this wedding chamber. You know, what was his promise? His promise was that he would come back, folks. And if you doubt that, check the Holy Spirit within you. Because the Holy Spirit is there to give you confirmation, just like the gold coin was there to give, you know, the, the bride confirmation that he's coming back because he's promised he was coming back. Look, we were chosen. The price was paid. The ketchup has been given. The cup of the covenant has been shared. The gift of the Holy Spirit has been given. Our mikvah, if you've been saved and baptized, has been performed, and, 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 and he's gone away to prepare that chamber. Folks, while we wait for the return of our bridegroom, we need to remain faithful. While we wait for the return of our bridegroom, we need to be watchful. While we wait on the return of Jesus Christ, we have to be spiritually alert. There is a spiritual war going on about us if you don't know. Why do you think this world's in the shape it's in? You know, it's because there's a spiritual battle going on. And Satan is trying to get us off focus of our bridegroom and how he's coming back for us. He's trying to get us to remain unfaithful rather than remaining faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look, in the Scripture... That we just read. Five were watchful. Five were slothful. Five entered the wedding chamber. Five had to remain outside. Now let me ask you a question. Let's get personal for a moment. Ask yourself this question. What would he find you doing. If he was to return tonight. Think about that. What would he find you doing. If he was to return tonight. Would you be able to enter the wedding chamber with him because you've been faithful to him? Or would you be like one of the five that you make it to heaven, 
but you're not going to be able to enter that wedding chamber, the new Jerusalem. Now, we're studying this on the Wednesday nights as we're going through the book of the Revelation. But, you know, when the new city Jerusalem comes down and the new earth is built, there will be those who live on the new earth. There will be those who live in the new Jerusalem. What's the new Jerusalem reserved for? For the bride of Christ. For the bride of Christ. So ask yourself this question. If he was to come tonight, would he find me faithful? Or would I be like one of those five virgins running around trying to find some oil for my lamp before the door was shut, before the door shut? Would you be able to enter that bridal chamber? No. Now, while the groom is away, was away, before his return, the bride had a number of things she had to do. Let's look at the next thing here. You know, the consecration of the bride. Look, while the groom was away, the Jewish bride was set apart. In other words, she was consecrated and separated unto her bridegroom, the one who had purchased her. So, while waiting for his return, she was to remain faithful. She was to remain faithful. You know, it was probably easy to do at first. Now, think about this. As your bridegroom, he's came, y'all went through the whole process, excuse me, uh, of the ketchabah, of the mikvah, and, and you've gone through all of this. He's given you that special gift. Think about all the excitement. Think about all the celebration, all the attention that she was receiving. It was probably easy at first for her to say, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait. But, you know, just like anything else, it isn't long till the thrill is gone. You don't believe that. Watch kids during Christmas time, you know. Now, I, I, I'm going to be the first to admit, I'm a big Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. I, I know I, my stock just went down with some of y'all. But you think about it. Parents go out and they spend money they don't really have to buy stuff for their kids. On Christmas morning when they're open, the thrill is there. But a month later, is the thrill still there? <laughs> No, they got one or two toys they're still playing with. The rest, they don't even know where the heck they're at. You know, when we was first saved, the thrill was there. The excitement was there. In the same way with this, these brides. I want you to stop and think about when, just go back and remember when you was first saved. I, I can go back to the exact night I was saved at Second Baptist Church in Tomball, Texas. Brother Charlie Brighthop was my preacher. And I've told you all this story before, you know. Uh, after the Sunday night service, you know, me and my best friend, old Terry Mask, we just going to march out of the church and something pulled me back and said, you better get in there and talk to Brother Charlie. I went in there and I said, Brother Charles, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I got to talk to you, you know. And, and, and I went to kneel down in his office after he went through the plan of salvation, went to kneel down. I got a Charlie horse in my leg, <laughs> you know, and, and I couldn't kneel down. And to this day, you're not going to convince me that wasn't the old devil pulling on my leg trying to keep me from going down. Listen to me. He'll do anything he can to keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. But when I got up, after asking Jesus Christ to come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, there was excitement in my heart. And if you'll go back to the day you were saved, I bet you can remember some excitement. The celebration. 
You know what? When I got up from there, I was ready to charge hell with a water pistol. All somebody would have had to say is, charge! Give me a water pistol, let's go, we'll put out every flame in hell. That's how excited I was. But you know what happens to many of us? The excitement seems to dwindle away. You know, maybe, maybe a, a, a month later, the excitement's not like it used to be. Maybe a year later, it's even worse. It's not there. And within a couple of years, people find themselves going right back to the same thing Jesus pulled them out of. That happened to me. And it's probably happened to some of you. In fact, some of you this morning may still be where Jesus pulled you out of because you went right back to it. You went right back to it. You're not being faithful. And if he was to come tonight, okay, if he was to come tonight, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be very happy. Because you're going to miss out on some rewards when you stand before that beam of seat judgment of Christ. So after, after months rolled on, after years rolled on, that excitement seemed to subside. And the next thing you know, you were questioning, is he coming back? You know, when, when, when his return is delayed, folks, the temptation is great for us to go back to what he's pulled us out of. And you know what? Back in those days, I'm sure that even the bride began to question the return of her groom. And you know what doesn't help when we get to the point we start questioning the return of our bridegroom? What doesn't help is we hang around people who question it too. Rather than hanging around people that will encourage us, no, look at the Holy Spirit within you. That's the gift that God has given you to remind you that Jesus is coming back. Hold on to that gift. You know what we do? We get around naysayers. We get around naysayers. In fact, Peter said this, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. And here's what they say. Where is that promise of his return? Where is that promise? You know, there's some of you in here that <clears throat> are up in your 80s and you've heard it all your life that Jesus is coming again. And sometimes you get the questioning, well, heard it all my life, wonder if it's really true. And then you hang around people that ask the same question, and the next thing you know, you're doubting yourself, is he really coming back? Some of you aren't near 80, some of you are down in your 20s and teens and things like this. And even as young as you are, you've heard it, if you've been in church, that Jesus is coming back. But yet sometimes we get to question Look, we are his consecrated bride. We are waiting for his return. We can't fall into temptation. We must be ready at all times for the return of our groom, bridegroom, folks. We must not be like the five who are not able to enter that bridal chamber because of their slothfulness and their laziness and their unfaithfulness. If it takes another year for him to return, you must be faithful. If it takes another five years for him to return, you must be faithful. <clears throat> Excuse me, if it takes another ten years for him to return, you must be faithful. You must be faithful. And don't let the old devil say, where's the return of his promise? Now the next thing we see here, I'm going to have to steal some of Debbie's water here. The next thing we see here is this. While the groom was away, 
the bride had to be preparing her wedding gown. You see, in those days, there wasn't no store called Weddings R Us, okay? <clears throat> to where a bride could just go and, and, and buy her a dress, get fitted for it, and it ready in a week. No, back in those days, they had to find the material. They had to cut their dress out by hand. They had to hand stitch it together. They had to alter it by hand. And this could take months, if not a year, to do. And when the groom returned, she had better have that gown completely ready. Look, today, our wedding gown, okay, that we're preparing is the righteous acts we perform as we exercise our spiritual gift, as we minister for Jesus Christ. That is our wedding gown. Now, turn, turn to Revelation chapter 19. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Let me show you where I get such a ridiculous idea, okay? Most of my ridiculous ideas come from the Bible, by the way, all right? Let me show you where I get this idea that our wedding gown is the righteous deeds we are doing while we're here on this earth. Therefore, if you're not doing any righteous deeds, you're not preparing your wedding gown. Therefore, when he comes back, your gown will not be ready. Therefore, you will be one of the five that is knocking on the door saying, let me in, let me in. And I'm not going to say Jesus is going to say not by the hair of my chinny chin chin, but he's going to say no. Okay, let, let, let's look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now, this is already up in heaven, okay? This is after the Bema Seat judgment. This is while the seven-year tribulation period is going on on the earth. There's going to be this event in heaven called the marriage of the Lamb. We're betrothed to Him now. We're being faithful to Him now. There's going to be the marriage of the Lamb in heaven while the tribulation period is going on. Now, look who gets the, look who's the bride is, Okay? He says, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and her wife, his wife has made herself ready. Now, how did she make herself ready to be married? Okay, look at verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now, look at this. Don't miss this. For the fine linen, in other words, her gown, what she was, uh, 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 her attire that she was dressed in, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Don't miss this. Our groom is away, folks. While he's away, we're to be preparing our wedding gown. What is our wedding gown? The righteous deeds that we do while we're here. Now, let me ask you a question to ask yourself. <clears throat> what righteous deeds are you involved in? Or are the things that you involved in unrighteous deeds? Hmm. Unrighteousness. As the bride of Christ, folks, we got to be faithful to our groom. And the way we're faithful is to be about his work while we're here on this earth. Our wedding gown that we're preparing, you know, are the righteous acts that we do, you know, while Jesus has gone to the to that place to prepare for us. So the question he is, while he is away, are you working on your wedding garment? Or will he find you not finished 
when he returns, just like the five who were not prepared with oil in their lamps. As you remember, they were not allowed into the bridal chamber. The door was locked. The bridegroom and his bride was the only ones entered. Look, if you know Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to go to heaven. Okay, You're going to go to heaven. But you'll not be allowed in that bridal chamber because you was not faithful while he was away. You did not have your wedding gown complete. And again, what is your wedding gown? According to uh, John in Revelation, or Jesus there in Revelation, it's the righteous acts that you do. So if you're not serving Jesus Christ here, what makes you think you deserve to be in that bridal chamber? You know, it, 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 it would be like um, if someone was engaged to someone here on this earth. And right before the wedding, they started being unfaithful to them. They started committing adultery against them on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Do you think that person deserves the right to be a part of that marriage? No. No. Why? Because of their unfaithfulness. Because if they're unfaithful to you now, they're going to be unfaithful to you later. Now, the ninth step. Let's move on. I could spend a lot of time there. The return of the bridegroom is the ninth step. Now, we're not there yet. Okay, we're not there yet. This is where we are in our timeline. We're waiting for the return of our bridegroom. You see, when the bridegroom was finished preparing that home, that house that he has for his bride, he would return unannounced to get his bride, and he would take her to that home that he had been preparing for over a year. Now, Jewish bridegrooms usually came for their brides at night, somewhere around the midnight hour. You know, how, how many of you know the song Midnight Cry? That's why it's called that. Because the grooms would usually come back around midnight to get their bride. Listen, as they would come, there would be the sound of a shofar, you know, uh, that would break the silence of the night. There would be shouting. There would be dancing in the streets with his groomsmen, so to speak. And we can uh, see that in the parable of the ten virgins because it says at, at midnight a cry was made, Behold, come out and meet him. That's what the group would say as they marched down the street. Behold, come out and meet him. They was talking to the bride. Look, as a thief in the night, our bridegroom will call us to arise and come and meet him. Folks, when Jesus comes again, that will be his call. Arise, come and meet me. Come and meet me. And we better be ready. Listen, our wedding gown had better be complete because we're going to the wedding. We're going to the wedding. Look, the sound of that shofar, you know, is going to be, you know, what we hear. We, too, are going to hear the shout. We, too, are going to, you know, hear that sound of that shofar. It's going to happen quickly, and we better be ready. Our wedding gown must be ready. He must find us faithful, or we're not going to enter that bri uh, bridal chamber with him. Mark said this, but of the day and the hour knows no man. Okay? Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. You know what? We think Jesus knows everything, don't we? According to what Jesus said here, he don't even know 
when that's going to happen. But only the Father. Now think about that for a moment. But only the Father. Just as the bride in the early days did not know when her groom would return, you know, for her, neither do we know the hour or the day. All we know, folks, is he's coming. Listen to me. He's coming. And when he does, there's not going to be any time to make preparation. Those five foolish virgins, there was no time to prepare. None whatsoever. Preparation time is now. Listen to me. Preparation time is now. You better be working on your gown. You better be involved in ministry. You better be involved in serving Jesus Christ. You better be involved in being faithful to him. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the father can say to his son, again, what did Jesus say here to Mark? Hey, I, I, I don't even know when this is going to happen. Only the father does. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled before God the Father looks at his son and says, go get your bride. None whatsoever. That, that could happen tonight. That could happen tonight. The question is, are you ready? Is your gown ready? The father could look and say, go get your bride, bring her home. Her long wait is over. The bridal chamber is complete. Go get her. And here's how it's going to transpire. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Just like the bridegrooms come through the streets with a shout. With the voice of an archangel, that's the shofar blowing. And the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, he says, comfort one another with these words. In other words, when you get the hearing Satan say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? You say, I know he's coming because he's giving me the Holy Spirit as that promise, you know, to, that he is coming back for me. And, 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 and comfort one another with these words. You know, if, if someone is saying to you, I'm really beginning to doubt if he's going to come back, say, no, he's coming back. All we got to do is listen for that shout. All we got to do is listen for that trumpet because he's promised he's coming back. The dead in Christ are going to rise first and then we're going to be caught up to be with our Lord in the air. But the question is, are you ready? Are you prepared for you Christian people? You know, is your gown ready if it happens tonight? Look, child of God, if that happens tonight, just 12 hours from now, it'll be midnight. If that happens tonight, will your wedding gown be complete because you've been exercising your spiritual gift? You've been, uh, been faithful to his call on your life? You've been serving him by serving others? Or have you been slothful? Have you been unfaithful? Living your life the way you want. Therefore, your lamp is not trimmed and ready. Just like the five foolish virgins. Now, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I've got bad news for you here. You hadn't even started working on your wedding gown. You haven't even started. And the reason you have never started is because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never 
accepted that call when he said, I'm choosing you. Going all the way back up to our first step here. You know, God has promised that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. That means you. And if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're going to be left behind if this event right here happens. Because this event's the rapture. And once the church is raptured out, that's when the seven-year tribulation period begins. And you'll be left behind. You'll be left behind to go through that seven years of hell on earth like it's never been witnessed before. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to invite you to come in just a moment. We're going to you know, get someone to share Christ with you, take you to the cross, get you saved so you can start working on your wedding gown. So you can start working on your wedding gown. So whether he comes again, you'll be one of these that will be taken out. And you can have that assurance. Child of God, if you, this morning, the Holy Spirit is laying upon your heart that you haven't been working on your gown. Matter of fact, the moths have done ate your gown up, okay? You need to shoo off the moths and shake off the dust and begin being faithful to him once again. You need to come this morning and make that fresh commitment to him. The altar is open for you to do that. Just cry out to him, Lord, forgive me for my unfaithfulness. And give me the strength and the power to remain faithful from this day forward. We're going to have a song of invitation. If you're here and you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, I want you to just come. Let us introduce you to him. Child of God, if there's some things you need to get right with Jesus, we ask that you do that. Let's pray.